have the opportunity to speak about family life, and uh, we have looked at uh, what is a family and uh, ways of looking at family that are directly uh, uh, focused on helping our kids understand who God is, understand how to live with others, understand the heart of the gospel. We also have talked about husbands and wives and the roles of husbands and wives, and I've sought to give a single word uh, to describe what God gives as a biblical calling. For husbands, is to love your wives. For wives, to honor or to respect uh, their husbands. And for children, it's to honor father and mother. I remember one time, we have a lot of kids in our church, and I notice there are a lot of children and young people in this church as well. And one time someone said to me, you know, without all these kids in this church, the church would be, would be dead in, in the next generation. And I said, no, no, without all these kids in the church, the church would be dead right now. Because children are such a vital part of the body of Christ, and we're so thankful for the kids God has given me. And I'm thankful that in the congregation uh, today, there are young people uh, who are here that I'm going to be able to speak to as well as to parents. And uh, I'm grateful for that. I, in fact, I talked to Pastor Joe about that this week and said I wanted assurance that there would be young people and teenagers here to hear this message on the importance of honoring father and mother. You know, in the, in, in the Ten Commandments, uh, the first four commandments, God, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, you shall not worship idols. You shall not take the Lord your God's name in vain. Uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then the fifth commandment is this commandment that we're thinking about today. Honor your father and your mother, and you will live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. So this is a very important commandment, and it's a unique commandment because it's the only one that is specifically addressed to a particular category of people. All the other commandments are addressed to all of humanity, but this one is addressed directly to children. It's to honor parents. Uh, and it's also the only one that comes with this promise. The promises attached to it is that you will live long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. So... Uh, and when the Apostle Paul recites this promise, uh, or recites this commandment in Ephesians 6, uh, he words it this way, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and you may enjoy long life on the earth. When I was a child, this was my first memory verse. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I remember even as a child thinking, what a strange happenstance that the first verse I had to memorize was about obeying mom and dad. But of course, as I got older, I realized it wasn't by happenstance at all. It was by cunning design that that was the first verse. Because my dad had an agenda. He wanted us to be children that honored and obeyed father and mother. And so he taught us this verse, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. If we were slow to obey, he would remind us by reminding us of this verse. And uh, if we weren't obeying, he would say, what's Ephesians 6.1? We would have to quote the verse, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He would say, well, you know what you need to do then, don't you? Now, wonderful teaching going on, because he's saying to us, what does God's Word say? God's Word has necessary implications for you. You know what you need to do, don't you? One time he brought a friend home from work. Throughout the night, Dad was giving direction to the children. If we were slow to obey, he was saying, what's Ephesians 6.1? We would go off and do whatever it was we were supposed to do. At the end of the night, my father said, okay, children, it's time to say goodnight to our guests and go to bed. Oh, Daddy, it's only 8.30. Can't we stay up till 9 o'clock? What's Ephesians 6.1? 
So we said goodnight and, and uh, went off to bed. At the end of the evening, when this man was leaving the house, he said to my dad, by the way, what is Ephesians 6.1? <laughs> this magical phrase you say to kids, they automatically obey you. I want to get in on this. Uh, but of course, it's not magic. It's a training process. Now, notice the word I use. It's not a training event. It's a process of training. It's a process of, of teaching our children the goodness and rightness of honoring and obeying father and mother. Now, what God has done in this passage is amazing. He's drawn a circle in which children are to live. I think on the back of your bulletin you have this circle, but he's drawn a circle in which children are to live, and the boundary of the circle is honor and obey father and mother. And the promise is in the context of this circle, there are these two marvelous blessings. It will go well with you, and you will enjoy long life. Now, those are blessings every young person in this room wants. I've never met a child or a teenager who wanted their life to be difficult and to die young. We want for it to go well with us. We want to enjoy long life. And God says the context in which these great blessings come is as you live inside this circle, as you honor and obey father and mother, there are these wonderful blessings. These are blessings we as parents want for our children. We want for them to enjoy long life. And everyone wants that. That's why people pursue education. and They pursue uh, uh, getting jobs and, and improving their situation in life because they want for life to go well with them. They want to enjoy long life. Now, the way we present this truth to our children as parents is incredibly important because we want to make a very attractive presentation of this truth to our kids. I think of it as gourmet truth. This is gourmet truth, and we want the presentation of it to be a gourmet presentation. You know that if you go to a, uh, an upscale restaurant, and uh, you guys know if you took your wife out to eat at a very fancy place, you're spending way too much money for this meal, but it's a special occasion, and so you're really... Uh, uh, sacrificing here and spending a lot for this meal, you know that when the food is presented, it's going to be presented in ways that are attractive. It'll, it'll be uh, nicely presented on the plate. Uh, there'll be a variety of colors on the plate. Something will be drizzled on top. It, the presentation is important. It's part of that gourmet experience is the presentation. You know the food is not going to look like it was thrown at a plate uh, like it might happen at a soup kitchen somewhere. I mean, the, soup is, the food is going to be very attractively presented. This truth is gourmet truth for our children. So we want to make a gourmet presentation of it. That means I never want to come to my children like this. Look, I'm your dad. I put a roof over your head. I buy every morsel of food you put in your mouth and every stitch of clothes you wear on your back. And as long as you live in my house, you're going to do what I say. When we come to our children like that, we're actually planting seeds of rebellion. Because if you think about it, there's nothing in that presentation that invites submission. It's a presentation that invites rebellion. I've set up this head-to-head -head conflict. I've said, look, I'm the one with the power here. I'm the one with the gifts to give. You live in my house, you do it my way. What's missing in that presentation? Or let me ask it this way. Who is missing in that presentation? God is missing. God's not missing in Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is what we do because there's a God in heaven, a God who is good, 
a God who's made all things for his glory, who's, who's made this world, who understands how we function as human beings, who's given, us, who's given us a revelation of truth that is consonant and consistent with our needs as human beings. It, it's the most, this is beautiful, compelling truth. And in a biblical vision, I want to bring a very beautiful presentation of this truth to my children. I want to say to my children, there's a God in heaven who's good. He's, he, in his great love, he has put you in a family. You don't have to fend for yourself. He's given your father and mother who love you, who have wisdom and maturity and life experience. It is a blessing for you to obey mom and dad. And we insist on your obedience because we know that's what's good for you. And we want you to enjoy these wonderful blessings that come as people honor and obey father and mother. So I want to, I want to make a, an attractive presentation of this truth to my children. Because this is beautiful truth. It's gourmet truth. And I want it to be a gourmet presentation. We had a nice illustration of this in our family. We, we had gone out to dinner with our youngest son and his five children uh, to a restaurant. And we were leaving the restaurant the plan that night was that we would take the infant and the two-year-old home with us, and they were going to go to a play with the uh, three older children. So I'm putting this two-year-old in the back of our car. You know, took a car seat out of their car, swept all the Cheerios and goldfish you know, into this parking lot, and uh, <laughs> putting his seat in the car and getting him strapped into the seat. And it begins to occur to this two-year-old that the rest of the family is going someplace fun, and I'm going home with Grandma and Grandpa. And he decided this is not a good deal. So he started to cry. I called my son over to the car. I said, you need to talk to your son. He's not very happy about this arrangement. Now, this was a 30-second a, a intervention. At the back door of my car, in the parking lot of the restaurant, my son came over. He said to this two-year-old, he said, son, you know you can trust God. And you can trust mommy and daddy. And God gave you a mommy and daddy who love you. And mommy and daddy know the best thing for you tonight is going to be to go home with grandma and grandpa. You're going to have a nice evening with them. We're going to pick you up on the way home. We're all going to be at the house together tonight. But uh, daddy's going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God will help you to be brave. I'm going to pray that God will help you to trust mommy and daddy and to have a nice evening with grandma and grandpa. He prayed for him. This little two-year-old got himself under control, and he stopped crying. And we went home. We had a very pleasant evening with him. Now, here's what struck me as I watched this going on at the back door of my car. This little guy is only two years old. It's not the first time he's heard this speech. He's being reminded of truth he has heard hundreds of times, even though he's only two. You see, what we want to do with our kids is not simply demand obedience and require obedience. We, we must require obedience because that's what's good for them, and that's the pathway of blessing. It's what God calls them to. But what we want to do is we want to give a worldview that is large enough, that is sturdy enough and robust enough to support the expectation that they obey mom and dad. We want to not just require obedience, but we want to provide a rationale for obedience that makes sense out of that expectation, that puts that expectation that they obey in this larger context of a God who is good and a God who has expressed his revelation to human beings so that we would know how to live in his world in ways that honor him and in ways that, that facilitate us enjoying life and having long and productive and fruitful 
lives. As you young people and children know, it's possible for you to dishonor mom and dad even when you're doing what you've been told to do. A child can obey in ways that are disrespectful or with a complaining spirit. You can, mom asks you to do something, oh man, I hate, you know, and you could go off stomping. You're obeying, but you're obeying in a way that is not honoring father and mother. And you, you children, young people, you know what that looks like and you know what that means. Here's what you should do. When your mom and dad tell you uh, to do something, you should immediately say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and cheerfully go off and do it. Now, this will give you an extra task because they're going to faint dead away, and you're going to have to help revive them <laughs> afterwards. But literally, the word that's being translated uh, obey means to listen. It's, it's, it's not just an emphasis on, on doing, but also on listening. And, and it doesn't mean just hearing the sounds. But what it means is giving credence to what they're saying. It means, it means giving weight to what your parents say. It means giving importance to your parents' words, taking the things that they say seriously and regarding them in, in, in this view that I'm giving you, regarding them as God's gift to you. God has given you parents who love you, who are committed to you, who, who lay down their lives for you, and it is a blessing for you to live under their authority. And to receive their authority as a gift from God and respond and take seriously what they say is very becoming to a young person. Of course, when you're real little, little children assume that their parents know what they're talking about and know everything. But by the time you get to be 14 or 15, uh, you're, and you're, you're almost the same size as your parents or maybe even taller than they are, and, and, and you begin to feel like your parents don't have a clue of what they're talking about. And that's the stage where honoring father and mother really gets hard. Because sometimes someone in their, in their mid-teens, they realize, I know a lot more than I knew several years ago, and I'm much more sophisticated in my thinking than I used to be. And, and, when, and I, 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 a, a young person can think of himself as, at, a, as at, at an adult level of knowledge and understanding and maturity. And when a teen gives his reasoning about why he should be allowed to go somewhere or do something, and, and, and his parents don't agree and are not persuaded, it seems like your parents are being irrational. I remember my kids used to say to me, but dad, you don't understand. And I, I used to have a hard time explaining to them that it's possible for me both to understand and also disagree with them. But they equated understanding with agreeing because if my arguments are so flawless and I'm reasoning so carefully, if you understood me, you surely would agree. So uh, I, used to, I used to say, okay, let me put what you're saying in my words. Here's what I think you're saying. Do I have it right? Okay, then I do understand. Let me explain to you why I don't agree with you. The Bible tells young people to listen to their parents. And when it says that, what it's really saying is that you should trust your parents. You should trust what your parents are saying is valid. It means really saying to yourself, even though mom's reasoning at this point doesn't seem reasonable to me, I'm going to assume that she has some knowledge and some perspective that I have not yet obtained at age 15. And that I, I can trust her that there's more than meets the eye of a 15-year-old in this conversation. Now, we need to think about what does it mean to honor? What does it mean to obey? Because I want to define those terms. And we can think about it this way. Honoring, obeying father and mother means submission to God's authority 
This is so important because it always has that Godward focus. It's submission to God's authority that causes a child to do what he's told to do by his parents immediately without excuse, without complaint, and without question. It means responding to mom and dad and submitting to mom and dad and to mom and dad's wishes and directives. And it's hard. It's hard to submit. It's hard to, to feel like I don't agree with what you're telling me and yet submit to what I'm being told. I, I recognize that's hard. And I think as parents, we need, to, we need to engage our kids with a kind of honesty in which we can say to them, it's hard to obey mom and dad, isn't it? Because it's not easy. You know as an adult, it's hard for you to submit to things from people who are authorities in your lives that, that you do not think are appropriate or you, with which you disagree. But the focus here is on God. It's submission to God's authority that causes a child to do what he's told to do by his parents. And we can trust God. As young people, we can trust God to work through our parents to bring blessing into our lives, that the process of submitting to mom and dad, even if they are being overprotective or, or too cautious, the process of trusting, entrusting myself to God and submitting to mom and dad is going to be a pathway of blessing for me. It's going to yield these blessings of it going well with me and enjoying long life. So God calls for young people to obey mom and dad. He also calls for young people to honor parents. And again, honoring parents is submission to God's authority. It always has that Godward focus that causes a child to speak to his parents with respect for the role God has given the parent as God's agent of discipline and correction and nurture in the child's life. For, as parents, it means reminding ourselves or reminding our children sometimes, you and I are not peers. God has put me over you. And you need to speak to me in ways that show respect for the role that God has given me as an authority in your life. That means you cannot speak to mom and dad in the imperative. You can't give mom and dad commands. It means we, have to, we can't speak to them with the kind of flippancy with which we might speak to a sibling or to a chum. But we recognize God has given mom and dad authority, and I need to speak to them in ways that show respect for the authority that God has put into their hands. And ultimately, it involves entrusting myself to God, that God will work through the parents he has given me to bring blessings into my life. And that's a faith commitment. It's a faith commitment that says, I'm going to honor my parents, and I'm going to trust God with this. There are some wonderful passages of Scripture that call you to this. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. In Proverbs 23, 22, there's a similar statement. Listen to your father who gave your, you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. There's a great passage in chapter 6 that speaks to these issues, beginning with verse 20. My son, keep your father's commands and don't forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp, and this teaching is a light, 
and the corrections of discipline are the way to life. And obeying these verses that call you to honor father and mother is, is, is so essential for young people. And as parents, we want to winsomely draw our children into this world of respecting and honoring father and mother. And it doesn't mean agreement. Because you may disagree with your parents and disagree with their, with their uh, decisions regarding you. But it's a faith commitment that I can trust God. I can trust God to work through the parents He has given me, through the home that He has placed me in, and have that be a context of blessing and growth for me. You know, so you don't just listen to your parents when you agree with them. Everybody does that. You don't need a command to do that. But the point is to listen to them and obey them when you don't agree. That's really what we're being called to. And when a young person thinks his parents just don't understand, he is still called to honor and to obey. Now, the older you get, the harder it gets. And, and sometimes people ask this question of me, what about if I'm a young adult? I'm a young adult. I'm not a child anymore. I'm, I'm 19 years old. I'm 20 years old. I may still be living at home, but I'm, I'm legally an adult. Do I have to obey mom and dad? Well, it doesn't matter, really, if you're legally an adult. That's an arbitrary decision that's been made uh, by the, in the statutes of our country. But if you're living at your parents' largesse in their home, you are still in that category that is being translated here as children. And during that time, you're under your parents' roof. You should follow your parents' rules. But you should do more than that. You should look to your parents for guidance and and. And pay careful attention to what they say. And I've had this conversation many times with young people who say to me, but I'm an adult. I'm, I'm 19, I'm 20, I, 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 I'm a young adult, and I shouldn't be needing to obey mom and dad. I'm an adult too. And it's very interesting. I'm talking to a person who's declaring I am an adult and I should be treated like an adult, but I still live in my parents' home. I still drive a car that they own. I'm on their insurance. I, I eat food that they provide and often prepare. I wash my clothes in their, in their, uh, with their washing machine, or maybe they even wash my clothes for me. I live at the largesse of my parents, but I'm an adult, and I should be treated like an adult. And sometimes I've wanted to say, then be an adult and move out and get a place to live. But as long as you've decided it is best for me to live under the care of my parents, then you're called to be honoring your mom and dad. And, and really, in some ways, you're, going to be, you're never done honoring your parents. Now, obviously, as adult people, once you establish your own home, you do not live in obedience to mom and dad like you do as a child. I think we have to remind ourselves as parents that the permanent relationship in our family is, is, is husband-wife. That's the enduring relationship. Parent-child relationship is a temporary relationship. We raise our kids to leave. And in fact, the scriptures talk about this. For this cause, for marriage, a man will leave his father and his mother and be joined to his spouse, and the two will become one flesh. So there's a new family unit that is established uh, in marriage. But even then, you're still going to be honoring your parents. As long as, and as long as you live in their home and live with their largesse, you should put yourself under their general authority and guidance. 
So when your parents tell you that you're not mature enough to make a decision independently, they're not insulting you. To be told as a 14-year-old you don't have the maturity of an adult is not an insult. It's a reality. And to have the humility as a 14-year-old to live under mom and dad's authority is a sign of maturity. And it's a sign of wisdom. And I trust that God will enable you children and young people to whom I'm speaking today to be wise in those ways. But I want you to think about this question with me. How did Jesus spend his teen years? How did he spend the time between he, when he was 12 or 13 and when he was an adult and began his earthly ministry? How did he spend his teen years? Because the scripture gives us the answer to that question. Remember the story in Luke chapter 2? Uh, this is a story where they've gone to the Passover and uh, the family has headed back up to Nazareth, several days journey, walking, uh, and they get a couple days out and they discover that Jesus is not with them. And so they look around, they can't find him, they head back to Jerusalem and they discover him there in Jerusalem He's, he's answering questions and he's engaging with the teachers of the law in the temple. And it was after that, it says to us, that he went down to Nazareth with them and he was obedient to them. Think about that. Jesus went back home and was obedient to his parents. He spent his teenage years in obedience to human parents that God had given him. And even though he was God in the flesh, during his teenage years, there were areas in which he needed to grow. Now, we have to think carefully about this and get our Christology straightened out because we know that Jesus was fully God, and he was fully God, and as, as God... He was perfect, no change, no development could ever take place within him. He lacked nothing. He was fully God. But as a man who was fully human, as a human being, he developed. I mean, as a human being, he didn't come into the world uh, understanding how to use language. He didn't come in. He, he had to be taught to speak. He had to be taught to feed himself. He no doubt learned to walk by having holding on to his daddy's fingers as his daddy walked along with him. He, he had to learn to use the tools in his father's carpentry shop. He had to be taught. He grew and developed. He was not, he, he was a fully human. And so as a human being, he needed to be subject to his parents in order to grow and develop in the ways that were necessary for him to fulfill the ministry that God had given him to do. So Jesus Christ, the perfect human being went home and he was subject to his parents. Now, you parents, you know, you think it's hard to have teenagers that are sinners. Can you imagine having a teenager that was sinless? I, I mean, that would be a real, I mean, I've, I thought, what must that have been like for Christ, for, for, for Mary and Joseph to have this son that is sinless? They are flawed, sinful people, and he is sinless. Uh, well, you might think I would love to have a sinless son. I could live with that. But uh, Jesus, we know, uh, was at the beginning of his teenage years, he was different than any other teen had ever been. He was, he was morally perfect. 
So he was a sinless human being. But we also know he was like every other teen. He lacked areas of maturity in which he needed to grow and develop. And, and everyone agrees that children lack maturity, that young children do not make good decisions. I know some kids that would eat nothing but Fruit Loops and candy if their mom and dad didn't require them to make good decisions about what they eat. And of course, as even in our teenage years, we, we, we are years away from living independently and, and making mature decisions independently. But every now and then, there'll be a teenager who's 13 or 14 and thinks he no longer needs parental input or parental guidance. Once your kids hit their teens, they begin to think of themselves as an adult. But think about Jesus. He went home, he was subject to his parents, and he grew in these four ways. He lacked wisdom. So the perfect son of God, he didn't have enough knowledge and experience as a man to navigate life without the guidance and wisdom of his parents. Left to himself, he would not have made good decisions as a man. He needed, he needed wisdom. And he lacked stature. Uh, he needed to grow physically. No doubt Jesus stood against his parents and, you know, measured himself off and stood back to see how tall he was getting, just as, as young people and children do in our day. He, he needed to grow in favor with God. Even though he was sinless, he was not mature in his relationship with the Heavenly Father as a young man. He needed to be subject to his parents' care and oversight in order to grow and learn and make progress spiritually. He needed to learn how to pray, how to seek God, how to, how to find grace and strength to fulfill his calling. He, he lacked wisdom. He lacked stature. He needed to grow in favor with God. And he needed to grow in favor with man. Jesus is a young man, somewhere between his teens and his 20s. He needed to learn social graces. He needed to learn how to get along with people, how to, how to motivate others, how to make others feel at ease, how to listen to others, how to be persuasive toward others, how to comfort others, how to communicate, how to understand people. He needed to grow in those areas of, of social development. He was like any other teen. He was like you teenagers and young people. He knew what it was to feel socially awkward in certain situations and, and ill at ease. And he knew, had to learn how to handle himself in various situations. So think about this. The perfect human being, Jesus Christ, needed to be subject to his parents in order to grow in wisdom in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with man. Now, if that's true of the sinless Son of God, then it is certainly true of every young person and teenager in this room. You will grow and flourish as a person as you live under the authority of your mom and dad. That's the context God has designed for you in which you will grow and in which you will flourish. And it's foolish in the extreme for young people to think of themselves as mature adults who have no need for parental guidance and wisdom just because they're 14 or 16 or 18 or 20. If it's not true of Jesus, the true perfect son of God, the perfect teenager, then it is certainly not true of any of you young people here today. You will not grow and develop in the ways that you ought to grow and develop, unless you are under 
the authority of your mom and dad. I hope you're hearing that because this is life-giving truth for you to get a hold of. Because if you get a hold of this truth, it will spare you unimaginable struggles and it will bring incredible blessing to you. Think about the blessings promised in Ephesians 6.4. God says it'll go well with you. I mean, we can think about that in two ways. It'll go well with you in profoundly spiritual ways because if you're tracking with what I'm saying here, young people, if you're tracking with this and you realize that, that, that to submit to mom and dad is submission to God, and I, I'm, I'm not just trusting mom and dad, I'm trusting God. I'm trusting that God will use these parents that he has given me and their instruction and their discipline and their nurture of me. I'm trusting that God will use that to make me the person that I should be and so that I can live in this world in the ways he's called me to live. The child, the young person who is doing that, who is making that transaction, who's saying, I will trust God. I will do the hard thing. I will submit to mom and dad's authority because I know that God is good and I can trust him and that his ways will bring good fruit to my life. The young person who's doing that, think of the investment he's making spiritually. He's, he, is, he is buying into a worldview that is rooted in God's Word and God's truth, and untold spiritual blessings will come. Of course, there are practical blessings that will come as well. Uh, now, parents, imagine, me, imagine with me that you're going to take a, a family day with your kids. You're going to go out hiking, or you're going to have a day of recreation. And you'd like to take another child or two along with, with your kids to enjoy the day with them because it'll enhance your children's enjoyment of the day if they share it with a friend. Who are you going to bring along? Are you going to think, who do we know who's wild and unruly? Who do we know who'll get lost two or three times? Who do we know who'll complain when it's time to go home? Let's invite him. That'll be fun. You're not going to do that, are you? You know who you're going to invite. You're going to invite someone who you perceive to be a person who's under authority. Think about the number of times in a child's life, in a young person's life, when opportunities are opened up to children who are willing to be under authority that are denied to children who are wild and insolent and unruly. In profoundly spiritual ways and in very practical ways, it goes well with a child who's under parental authority. There also is this promise of long life. He, he will enjoy long life. And we, now, we know there are those tragic circumstances in which God takes children who are very young. And, 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 and we, we have to quiet our hearts before God in those times and remind ourselves that God is too wise to make a mistake. He's too good to be unkind. So we, we quiet our hearts before God, even though we don't understand God's purposes always. But there's this general biblical principle here. That richness, fullness of life, even length of days come as you live under God's authority. When I was a kid, I grew up in Toledo, Ohio. Toledo is a UAW town. It's a United Auto Workers town. It's a, close to Detroit, a lot of factories. And uh, it was a very busy city. We lived in the middle of the city. There was no place near our home to play. We used to play in the parking lot of a factory behind our house. We were there playing one day, and... Uh, some boys came along, they were throwing stones at the windows and breaking windows in the factory, and the police were called. We ran home and told our parents about this exciting thing that happened. They told us, we don't want you to play there anymore, so we were forbidden to go play there again. One day after that, my friend said to me, let's go play at the factory. I said, I can't, my mom won't let me. He says, come on, your mom will never know. 
So I agreed to it. I'm climbing the fence to play on this parking lot. As I started over the fence, my youngest brother, Mark, was with me. He looked at me and he said, you don't want to live long, do you? <laughs> and my friend said, what will happen? Will your mom kill you? But of course, what Mark was referring to is this passage of Scripture, and he was thinking, you're not obeying mom and dad. Your days are numbered, pal. Uh, you don't want to live long. He was applying the Scripture directly to our situation that day. Well, these are marvelous blessings. Every young person in this room wants for life to go well with you. You want to enjoy long life. You want to have uh, richness and prosperity and, and fullness of life that God promises as you live in obedience to His commands. You want those blessings. And the God says the context in which these blessings come is as you honor your father and your mother. And, and so uh, I, I'm laying out life here for you because the life that is truly life is entered into as you live in obedience to God in response to God and God's ways and God's truth. Now, we have to face the fact, and I, I, I followed this same outline with husbands loving and with wives respecting. There are two great problems that you young people face in this matter of honoring your parents. The first is that parents are not always easy to honor. I wish I didn't have to say that, but I've been a parent myself, and I know it's true. I know that there were times when I was a stumbling block to my children honoring and obeying me, because your mom and dad are, are, are creatures, and they have limited knowledge and limited understanding, and they make mistakes, and sometimes they respond out of anger, sometimes out of selfishness, sometimes they're unfair and they're blind to it, sometimes they make snap decisions and they're too stubborn to back down, and, and our sinful anger is a huge roadblock to our children in honoring and obeying. As parents, we need to remind ourselves, whenever I'm angry with my kids, I've personalized their disobedience. I've made it about me. That's why I'm angry. I'm not angry for God's glory. I'm angry because I've personalized their disobedience and I've made it about me. And parents can be guilty of pride and inconsistency and caprice. But none of that changes the command for us young people. It's, we don't get a pass because our parents are not perfect. Jesus Christ was perfect, and his parents were not. They no doubt failed in the same way that your parents fail. And yet, the command to honor is an unconditional command. And it, the parents, it goes without saying, you know, if I'm going to teach my children that it's unconditional command for them to obey mom and dad, then it's also an unconditional command for me as a husband to love my wife, for me as a wife to respect my husband. It's an unconditional command for all of us. And it's not conditioned on our parents always being understanding, always being gracious, always getting it right. God will work through your parents to bring good things into your life, even when they are not uh, performing as well as they should, we can entrust ourselves to God. But there's another problem you have. It's not just that your parents are sometimes uh, not easy to honor. You also have the problem of you're rebellious. And we need to face that, young people. We're part of a very rebellious uh, era, you know, and you know, a lot of times our, our young people and children just don't want to submit uh, they feel foolish when their friends tell them, when they have to tell their friends, my mommy said I can't go. 
they feel foolish and, 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 and sometimes they see their friends treated like adults and they think they should be treated like adults as well. And you have to face it, young people, uh, honoring your parents is often difficult because of your sinful pride. Be, and, and, be, and, you know, it's part of the, the spirit of independence, part of the spirit of this age is very rebellious toward authority. And so it's a difficult time in which to be raised as someone who submits to parental authority. And the Christian answer to this is not just suck it up and just do it. It's not Nike Christianity. Just do it. You see, the Christian answer is that we're called to honor God by God who came into this world in flesh like ours. Jesus Christ lived in our flesh. He lived in this fallen world. He was submissive to parents who were flawed parents, and he gave them perfect submission to authority. And he did this. He did it for us. And, and the righteousness of his fulfillment of the law of God is fully given to us when we repent and believe in Jesus Christ. And he died as a sacrifice for our sins. So the, the, the guilt of our sin, the guilt of our failure, the guilt of our rebellion has been atoned for by Jesus Christ. But So Christianity is not about us being good enough to be acceptable. We, it's about the grace and goodness of a God who has done it for us and who offers it to us when we come to him in repentance and faith. But I want you young people to get a hold of this. Honoring your parents is something that is spiritual. It's, it is a spiritual act of worship. It's not just something you do in order to get God to like you. It's, it's, it's not something you, you, you do to merit favor with God. It's what you do in response to the grace of God and the goodness of God to you. And God finds joy and delight when young people honor father and mother. And do you know what the key is to honoring father and mother? The key to being a, a young person who honors father and mother is faith. It's believing that God's ways are good. It's turning away from self-trust and entrusting myself to God and recognizing God is wise, God is good, God's ways are good. And what God tells me to do I can entrust myself to God and the path of obedience to God is going to be the path of blessing for me. And, I can, and so each time that it's difficult to honor and obey father and mother, I'm confronted with the fact that God has called me to do this and am I going to trust God and obey mom and dad and honor them or am I going to trust myself and be willful and independent and take myself out from under the authority and protection of our, my family. Because if you think about this circle of blessing, inside the circle, God says it will go well with you and you will enjoy a long life. Whenever I dishonor and disobey mom and dad, I move outside the circle and I put myself in a place of danger. Why is that a place of danger? It won't go well for me out there. I won't enjoy a long life out there. And the, 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 the function of God's chastisement and discipline of us, the function of our parents' uh, discipline of us is to bring us back inside the circle, back into the place where God says it will go well with me and I will enjoy 
long life. And I, I want to recognize with you young people, it's hard to obey mom and dad. It's hard to submit yourself to the authority of parents, especially when you think, when you disagree with them. But God says it's a pathway of blessing for you. God says it's the very best place in the world for you to be. And you can entrust yourself to God. And you can find the power and grace to submit. You find that in God. You go to God for that grace and for that power. It's a faith response. One of the ways to think about this is as a young person, Jesus stayed inside the circle. He stayed inside the circle for us. He always did his Father's will. He always obeyed the Father. He always spoke the Father's words. He always did what God called him to do. He was the perfect example of submission both to his heavenly Father's authority and to the authority of his earthly parents. And he was the perfect example of submission. And he is reaching from inside the circle to pull you back inside the circle. And we need to, as young people, I want to call you to surrender yourself to God. Entrust yourself to God. I know it's difficult to obey mom and dad, but God can enable you to obey. And people disobey their parents because they've exchanged the truth for a lie. It's what Romans 1 talks about. And they worship and serve created things rather than the Creator. God says if you will obey, He will bring incredible blessing to you. Jesus can enable you to obey your father and mother. God, you, you have two paths before you, young people. The one is the path of following Christ in obedience. The other is the path of following your own thoughts and your own desires. The path of obedience to Christ leads to life. And the path of following your own thoughts and your own desires and the spirit of the age in which you live leads to everlasting destruction. And I want to urge you young people and children, choose life. <laughs> choose life. Respond in obedience to God. And for parents, our calling as parents is not to be these demanding, ogre people who are forcing our kids to obey. <coughs> Excuse me. But our calling is to train our children to see the wisdom and rightness of walking in God's ways. Because the path of obedience to God is a pathway of blessing. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, that it might go well with you, and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you and we pray that you would take your word which we have heard and that you would apply it to our hearts. I pray, Lord, for these young people and children who are here who, who are living in a very difficult time and place in history where disobedience to parents and, and independence on the part of young people and arrogance is so much part of the cultural milieu in which we live. And I pray that you would give them grace to entrust themselves to God, to humble themselves, to submit to parental authority, 
and to know the great blessings that you promise, that as we trust you and obey you, it'll go well with us. We will enjoy long life. I pray that for each of these young people, for Christ's great glory. Amen.